Hi, this is Patty Lapone. This is Allison Janney. This is Matt Balmer. This is Donna Murphy. This is Nia Vardalis. This is Jesse Tyler Ferguson. This is Beanie Feldstein. I'm Octavia Spencer. This is Ben Platt, and you're listening to Little Known Facts with my favorite person on the planet, Alana Levine. A-OK. Welcome to Little Known Facts, a podcast where you will hear unfiltered, raw, honest, and uniquely funny interviews with artists you love as they talk about the art they love to make. I'm your host, Ilana Levine. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match, with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, I heard you needed inspiration. He's a lot of and friends with some revelations. Little known back to the day. Every little thing's gonna be A-OK. fact about my guest today. He first moved to Los Angeles with fellow Aussie actor Chris Pang of Crazy Rich Asian fame. The two of them set about figuring out LA, how to audition, how to navigate. Do you walk in the room and use your Australian accent and then break into your American accent for the audition and then back to your Australian accent afterwards, a lot to figure out in terms of how to present themselves. But then my guest today, Dennis Akdenis, well, he figured it out and he is now one of the stars of The Flight Attendant, a show that took everyone by storm uh, and continues to do so. I'm so thrilled to have Dennis on the podcast today and you are going to fall deeply in love with this incredible Australian actor. A-okay. A-okay. Hey everyone, my guest today is Australian actor Dennis Akdenis. Dennis plays Max in the critically acclaimed and award-winning HBO Max series, The Flight Attendant. He also stars in the Fox series, The Cleaning Lady, Freeform Sirens, and ABC's Once Upon a Time, where he played the role of Aladdin. On the film side, Dennis is widely known for his roles in I, Frankenstein, The Water Divine, The High Note, Sightless, and the Australian box office feature hit Tomorrow When the War Began, where he was nominated for an Inside Film Award in the category of Best Actor. Welcome, Best Actor, to <laughs> Thank the podcast. You so much. Appreciate it. I mean, who doesn't want that? I'm the Best yeah. Actor. <laughs> Yeah, I, that was a that was a fun year. Ben Mendelsohn was the one that won that year, so it's fun. It's good company. Oh my god! 
Ben thinks he's the best actor, but guess what, Ben? Uh, we've just retallied the votes, and I have the best actor on my show today. So, first of all, congrats on all the things, not just the nominations and the wins, but just getting to work consistently, doing the thing that you love. That, in and of itself, is just such an incredible feat. Um, I'm so extremely guess, grateful. Yeah, I guess, um, well, we're grateful we get to see you. So welcome to America, number one. Thanks for coming over. Um, I want to go back in time before we get into uh, the crazy hijinks and also the very dark moments in this season of The Flight Attendant. Right. Um, like, how did you become someone interested in the arts and, and how did this whole journey begin? Um. It was actually because of my brother, who's now a banker. Um, he was the one that first started. He won best banker. <laughs> I think he has won an award, to be honest. <laughs> or Ben Mendelsohn's brother no, beat him yeah, out for best banker. Beat him banker. out again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> the because uh, we, we, my family immigrated uh, to Australia from Turkey, and he was. Uh, it, they they thought it would be a good way for my brother to get some social skills. And so they put him in some drama classes and then they, I was, you know, seven years younger and wanted to do everything my brother did and got swept up in it. And I just fell in love with it from the get go. I mean, we were, I was, I think it was like seven or eight. I was doing these weekly drama classes. You play, you play a little, which now I know are improv games and whatnot. And it was just something fun to do every week. And then yeah, that just sort of snowballed and I, he, he sort of kept doing it and I sort of kept doing it. So like until I was like, I think 15 or 16, did I really think, oh wait, this is actually something I really enjoy and could pursue in a, in a different life than just something that you get there weekly and like I built friends and, uh, and, and a community around it, but it, it just sort of snowballed from there into something that was like, oh, this could be done as a professional job. And so thankfully I've been able to do it. Where were you born? I was born in Melbourne, Australia, so I'm first generation. Uh, okay. Everyone else in my family was born in Turkey. Um, I'm the only one to be born in Australia. So, were your was your family that that was all from Turkey before before they got to have you? Um, was English a language that they were already speaking before they got to Australia? Uh, my dad, yes. My dad was. Uh, my dad is still a very smart man, and he was. He. I think he most of his university was in English, so he was doing both. And then my mother also knew English, but couldn't, wasn't conversational with it. Um, she. She actually uh, her first job interview. My dad just wrote down for her, like he goes, like this is what they're probably going to say, and this is uh, so this is what your answers are going to be. So she just memorized that. So you yeah. could do. She was proficient in the in the field uh, that she was uh, applying for, but just didn't have the language skills. And so she learned this monologue and just spurred it out. And was That's very incredible. fortunate to have her on the first day to have her, when she got the she eventually got the job. And she was fortunate to have someone, a coworker, who realized, oh, she's very proficient. She just doesn't get the language. So she just kept writing everything down for her. And my mom could read. And so she that's how she learned the language. So I was fortunate that I was I actually learned Turkish as a first language and then went to kindergarten and learned English. And but for your do you just have one sibling? One sibling, just the two of us. Okay. But so he came here, he was already how old was he when he He was five, I think. Yeah, he was five and then two years later I was born in Australia. Wow. So was Turkey a place that you went to frequently to visit family? 
Yeah, when we were younger, there was a there was a big time that we went back and forth quite a bit, and then that sort of uh, fell off uh, in the recent, uh, not recent, uh, like ten years ago, twelve years ago, and then um, now we've been going back a bit more regularly. And why did your parents come originally to Melbourne? That's such a like culturally, it's such a different experience. Uh, was it work? Yeah. Was it? A bit of work, work mainly. It was like my brother. There was more opportunities for my father, and um, uh, so and he he was quite the ambitious uh, man he is. Wanted to have bigger and better opportunities down in Australia, and it's funny that uh, my brother and I've both done the same. We've 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 both grew up in Australia, but both moved to America for bigger and better opportunities. Wow! And is he near you? Is he in LA as well? No, he's near you. He's in New York. Okay, <laughs> all right. He's being best banker, just a best few miles banker away in Manhattan. from me. That's it. So, when did you sort of take it from? I really love this. I am a kid who is like a fish in the ocean here. This is like my place, my community. When did it even become a realization for you that this is something people do professionally, and like I might be a person who could pursue it too? Um, it was, I would say when I was around 17, like I, I, I was, I'd sort of, I, start, I, I sort of actually stopped acting. I, did, I was thinking that it could be, could be professional, but then sort of went away for a bit. I was, I was like at a crossroads. I was also training mixed martial arts at the time. And I really decided, I like really was passionate about that as well. And was getting quite into that world. And there was a time where I was looking at, okay, maybe I could, do this as a profession. And then fortunately someone, uh, car, one of the directors that came in for a workshop at our theater group cast me in a, a professional play in Melbourne at the, uh, and they were, they were using the Melbourne theater company's actual stage for this independent theater uh, um, production. And it was off that initial casting that I got into the world and realized, Oh wow, this is actually this was like, it was, I was doing like, you know, weekly rehearsals and we had, we were like with people much older than myself. And just, it was like a, I was thrown in the deep end and it was such an amazing experience that that was the, that was, I think that was the, the moment that it ignited to be like, okay, no, this is clearly more fun than being in a cage. <laughs> being on, being on a stage or a set is a healthier and b a lot uh, for me. I, uh, the, my passion was clearly there. When you say being in a cage, can you just talk a little bit more about the martial arts part of this that involves a cage and what you mean by that? And is that I still mean, in like, your life? That is, uh, unfortunately, I, I look, I did train for years after that. I, I think only leaving, only until I came to uh, America did I stop that training because I had a great school and a great uh, instructors there. So a cage is mixed martial arts in the sense of um, it's, uh, you know, the what you see, UFC, the, what they do in, in the UFC fighting, it's that sort of skill set that I was okay. learning from a young age, from like 15 until I moved out here. So like my early twenties, mid twenties. And are your parents as you're kind of like, do I do mixed martial arts or become an actor? Like those are my two choices. Are they like, yes, my son, we love you and we support you no matter what, or we want you to go to university first and get a degree as a chemist and then see like what, what's, what are those conversations like? I was fortunate enough. They always let me do all of those extra during school. Like as long as I got, I, I, I was fairly academically proficient as well to a degree. I was able to do all of this and still keep grades up at school. So there wasn't many complaints. Um, it did get to, and then I was again really fortunate that that tomorrow when the war began, when you mentioned, happened 
just as I finished, I, I just finished, um, I just got into a university and I, I was, it was, it was, that was just going through the tropes of it. And then I got to the tomorrow when the war began my first year in university. And then that was when I was like, well, this is 110% what I want to do rather than university. And they were very supportive, very willing to help out. And my mother for a couple of years was always like, just give it a go and see how you go. Like she was, I think came from more of a place of me not wanting to be disappointed because she know like knowing that how hard of an industry it, it potentially could be. Um, so, but they were, they've always been, from, I, I, yeah, I, I couldn't ask for better, better parents to be as more supportive as they have. So, which has been a real leg up in the world. Did, did you get that movie? Because after you did that play, um, did you get an agent? Like, or yeah, was that some yeah, open call? How did that happen? So that, yes. Yeah, so, so the, from that play, um, a casting director happened to be in, um, in the audience one of the nights and she was casting a Disney Channel show called As the Bell Rings and then contacted my old agent because I was kind of full into martial arts by then. The play came out of left field. So she got a roundabout way to get contact to me. I auditioned for that As the Bell Rings show. And then for that, I, um, I, that, I that did two seasons of that show with Disney Channel, which was lovely. And then I had an agent there and I actually auditioned for Tomorrow When the War Began with that agent and it didn't go anywhere. I had dropped that agent got another agent out of happenstance because uh, it was that, that coming to that time. And they got me another audition for Tomorrow When the War Began because they still hadn't found that role. And um, it was through that or, or that second round that they found. And I found out the director, I was speaking, the director was Stuart Beattie, who's a really good friend of mine now. He said they never saw the first tape from the old one. So it had got lost basically. And so if I hadn't made that transition of representation at the time, oh I would have never got that role. I don't think I would even be here today. But listen, in the world of right now, I think I make 20 self tapes a day. Um, the idea that, you know, you hope, deep down, I know no one's watching, right? Deep down, I know this is just an exercise and like, how much can I, you know, torture myself. Right. But hearing that story just really confirms that um, it's just the saddest, saddest thing. Well, or this was kismet in the, can happen. This was in the room. I was there with the, with, <laughs> with the casting associate. It wasn't like I sent a tape <laughs> in and it got lost. Like I, I went in the room for one. And then the sa- second uh, second time, it was with the same guy. Okay, like, that's so, insane. Yeah, that's I'm, hilarious. I, I don't know what happened and how it happened, but I'm glad that it all went the way it that it It all goes the way it's meant to. So when you did that Disney show, did that shoot in Australia or did you come to LA? No, that, sh- that shot in – it was the first Disney Channel show to be shot in, um, in Australia. And it, it was a really unique experience because it was such a mix between theater and TV because it was all shot – every scene was shot in one take. It was like this one setup, one take show that they had syndicated all across the world. I think they did it in Italy first and it went really okay. well. And then there was like an Italian version, a, you know, American version, Australian version, a Spanish version, like all these different versions of it, of the same show. Um, but yeah, it was a, it was a, that was like the first time I was on a set, you know, with, we were shooting for six or seven weeks and doing two episodes a day. Cause there were five minute episodes that were, it was like it was, I think it was some of the earliest short form content as well because there were five minute episodes between Hannah Montana and whatever you know what I mean. That's incredible. So when did you first come to the U.S.? Jeez, I think it's been ten years now, nearly ten years or nine years. Um, I made a trip out first initially to 
you know, test the waters and, um, and, and just get a feel for it and loved it. And, and then came back and we shot I Frankenstein and then came back and uh, moved permanently, which was, um, yeah, and haven't really looked back, which has been lovely. Wow. So did your Australian agent at the time when you came the first time set up some meetings for you to meet people here to kind of get the lay that of the was, land? Yeah, that was the yeah the first trip. That was what the lay of the land was getting those meetings and um, they had some connections out here. And that's where I met my manager since that since that first meeting, uh, Tom Spriggs, who's been with us ever since. He's phenomenal. And he really shepherded the, um, the career that I've had out here and, and cultivated it. So I was very fortunate to to meet the right person, to make the right link and find someone that really believed in me. So if you look back and sort of go, okay, I mean, it sounds like maybe the missing audition tape and then the ability to audition again, maybe that's the moment, but when it, it could be something else to you. If you have to go like, okay, this was my lucky moment. Like this is the moment that I think is why this is all unfolded in the way it has. Do you do you kind of have a sense of what that might be? I, I think, to be honest, it, look, I think that was a it was it, it was a lucky uh, that whole process. Like you said, auditioning twice was a very lucky happenstance. The fact that they were still looking for that role and they still couldn't find it. Um, but I think it was the the chance that the director Stuart Beatty took on me in that in that first. We had so we did. I did another audition, and they went. To, I went straight to callbacks. They put us straight on a plane in like two days out to um, out to Sydney to meet the director and do the whole callback process. And I think him taking a chance on me and knowing that because it was such a pivotal role in that film. He's like the you know he, he the it, it it it's he he has the biggest one one of the bigger arc, uh, character arcs, and it was, it was something that I had never done. A lot of the people I was working with were established TV actors at the time. Um, in Australia and the he took a such a big chance on me for that role that it, I think that was the the luck like, without that I don't think I would ever be able to dip my toes into the American market I don't think into I would the even other have stuff. To, into the other stuff and I don't think I would even have that opportunity now to do it and like when I auditioned I had like long hair down to my like shoulders and they like they have this well, video it in turns the out that's a good thing well that was a good thing well, well like we but you, you watch you watch you you watch the behind the scenes of that film and there's a there's a moment where they sort of like as we're doing the camera test they show my audition tape and then they change it to the camera test through this little thing like they do a complete makeover on me like I was just like this raggly man with long hair and like unshaven and they you know, cut my hair, gave me a makeover, basically. And I was like, oh, that, there we go. That, that looks more appropriate. Oh, that's the character. So, that's the character, yes. I mean, like, he, he saw through all that huh. and was just really, um, and it really took a chance, which was lovely. So something in him, he had that, like, Malcolm Gladwell moment. Like, he saw you, and even though it might not have made sense on paper, he he trusted his gut, and you were the guy. Yeah, I mean, uh, it must have been that. I don't know. I don't know what the con- I, I actually should ask. I don't know what the conversations were like behind the scenes, but uh, it it, um, it was a very last minute. They were, again struggling to find this character, find mm-hmm. this role, and it, it just sort of all fit. And I, I think I learned the most. The, some of the biggest lessons I've learned throughout my career have been on that shoot. It was just such a crash course. It was like a, you know, I, I'd never I, the from that Disney Channel experience was the only one I'd done before, and and then we went to like a twenty five million dollar, thirty million dollar feature film. It's crazy it was yeah it was just again I, i've been fortunate that people keep throwing me in the deep end yeah and um and i really i really do like that it's such they're always great learning opportunities for me so when you moved to la 
do, do you already have Once Upon a Time, or did you get that when you moved here? That was, oh, so that was 2007. So that was like three or four years of battling. Three, so I, what, uh, was, what was the early, the early days of being here? Like, where do you live? Do you know people? How did you, do you drive on, it, does Australia drive on the other side of the road as well? Or does Australia, I mean, all that No, we're, yeah, it's all, it's all very different. Yeah, we're on, we're on, I can't even remember now. I mix up, there's so many things I can't tell what's what now. I think we, yeah. we drive on the right here, right? So yes, we're on the left, we're on the left in Australia. Like, um, like you're in yeah. England, like that. Yes, that, like you're in England. Yeah, 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 Australia's always been very close to the Queen. Um, so... Yeah, so it was take like, us through all of that transition and and homesickness and what am I doing here and I'm so glad I'm here at the same time. Yeah, I was really fortunate that I had a few friends that were already here um, uh, that, had, that had one or two that had been there for a couple of years. Um, and again, the director Stuart, who has been out here since he was a young young lad as well, so he's got a family. Oh, and he's okay. Met- so he he, he, was, he cast you in Australia, but he was already living in America. He was already yeah he's he's yeah he he's a very he had an established career in the states already. Okay. And this was his directorial debut in, in Australia, so it was nice to have some form of a family. And he he's now his family has become our you know family pseudo family this side of the Pacific. Um, uh, but again, we I was fortunate that I had a few people here. There were great friends and great uh, people just themselves. There were quite a good support network. Um, and did I, you move in with one of them? Like, are you roommates? Do you get your own place? Are they like, hey, West Hollywood? Like, how did you even, like, where did you live when you first so got So I there? was at the Banana Bungalow for like three weeks. It's a little hostel up on Fairfax, across from mm-hmm. Fairfax High School. Mm-hmm. And I was there for three weeks while I looked for an apartment with, I moved over with another friend of mine, Chris Pang, who is uh, really, uh, who's in Crazy Rich Asians. Um, and so he, again, we, we started this whole thing together. He was in the movie tomorrow when the war began with me. And okay. so we became That's really amazing. good friends and the two of us sort of made the move out here together. And he's another person like us, again, support network that I wouldn't be able to be where I am today without or made Chris. that journey without him, without Chris. Yeah. And there was another friend of ours, uh, Chloe as well. And the three of us, we looked for a place within two, two weeks. I, so I came out a bit earlier, I think, and we were just doing some groundwork and found a place little place on in Fairfax uh, in um in West Hollywood and it was this you know three bedroom two bathroom got a score to deal and was that was us for like five years we were four that's five the years that's the yeah. I mean yeah there was a lot of hijinks that happened there I mean it was a it was a great to have like I was I think that experience I think being there with two friends and especially Chris who's um was like we were at similar points in our career similar trajectories working together it created such a good community and environment that we were like hungry hustling always trying to do like like just working constantly working kind of constantly taping constantly going out for auditions constantly trying to hone that uh, hone the craft and really sharpen our spears to you know strike when the opportunities there yeah. I, know. I know i was yeah. i was very spoiled to make the move over here was again i couldn't imagine how my parents moved to australia and that like right? and like and they were paying i mean with the days where it wasn't like free to call you know you're not using skype to call a, a phone or across there there's nothing they were using landlines like yeah i i think my my immigration story is a lot more comfortable than yeah than i'm sure, sure a lot of people, other people's well those right i mean i remember i was i was traveling abroad and i had like a phone card with like seven it was like a credit card to make a phone call yeah um yeah. like all those ways i know my daughter's in college now and we FaceTime all day, every day, 
right? Like it was such a big deal when I went, I mean, like once a week, a phone call, like it's such a different for better or worse. Yeah, when you mentioned homesickness, I mean, I was like, I was, it was the days of a golden age, like Skype was a thing then. Like, so I was, yeah. it wasn't too, I was able to video chat every now and yeah. then with people back home. And yeah, of course, you still feel homesick, but I was fortunate enough that the here became home soon enough. But to re- to speak to everyone back in Australia, it was just, a, or in Turkey, I, I remember calling my grandmother's rotary phone, I still do, with a Skype number, like cell phone. So, like, from my cell phone, I'm calling her rotary. That, that's a thing like you can yeah talk. you can call a landline it's it's a it's plugged in it's a rotary like and it re, and when i call it it does the like yes and i'm on my cell phone in sunset and whatever you know what i mean so that yeah, is was, so sweet that yeah. is so sweet um has has your grandmother ever come to la so my grandmother and grandfather they both came uh Early on, so I was still in the apartment, and my brother, my brother was in New York, so they did it. They were able to see our lives here and see our, my brother's life in New York. It was that was a really special experience because um, it was just so like I remember everything. America is the for them was just this whole other world. They, I mean, from the beaches of Malibu to walking down the streets of Manhattan, it was all pretty a wild experience for them. Wow, in one generation, right? Like, like to yeah. see what the difference is. Um, yeah. So do you have any hilarious audition stories from those early days uh, that weren't funny at the time, but now looking back from where you sit? Oh, I mean, I, nothing that comes to mind that I maybe have blocked out. I, I'm sure there's, I, there's been so many. I used to have a thing. I tell you what, the nerves used to get to me because so – I auditioned a lot for American projects from Australia and they were always self-tapes. So I've gotten really, we've, we, Chris and I and some other friends, uh, Desmond Charm as well, um, like the three of us sort of had like a little self-tape network. So we always mm-hmm. come over to each other's houses, bring gear. So self-taping was really comfortable for us. It was our own time. We'd workshop scenes. I think first getting here, getting into rooms and doing three a week or four a week. Yeah. It was kind and pilot of fro- season insanity. And, yeah. And like, I think, it, there was there and we used uh, you weren't as prepared as uh, well I, I didn't have the skill of being as prepared as quick so mm. I think I crashed there's a I mean I'm not I think I know I crashed and burned from like flop sweats to just like not it was just too much it was overwhelming to be honest and it's only towards like the last couple of years that I, you know I, you I learned that skill and so early on it was just kind of the stamina and trying to manage it and I'm sure I've just I've I, I, I can't, I can't, none, again, I, I seriously think I've blocked them from my memory, but I do, what I do remember is that overwhelming feeling of, it's just another world out here. Yeah. Um, and well, what once, about the accent in terms of auditioning with, with American accents? Soon after doing Tomorrow War and the War began, the idea that this is the career, that this is the path that we wanted to, I wanted to take, um, came very apparent. Um, that was the next checklist. It was getting getting the accent sorted and I found a brilliant uh, um, uh, accent coach in Australia and working with her weekly and it was again it was one of those those skills that you had to sharpen and knowing that there would be no chance in hell to have a career here if that wasn't 110 percent so I started on very early and then it I had a couple of years and I was it was something I constantly worked on constantly still work on every I mean I'm doing it 20 minutes and 30 minutes of it a day or still um, just to keep that 
because I don't, you don't want to, that, that's, it's the main way I work now. I mean, I don't, I, there's all other, and through those skills have been, developed other ways to break down other accents and you'd be able to adjust, uh, adjust, but like that's the bread and butter. So it, it was really, it had to be a non-factor. It had to be something that was innate. And I was very lucky that early on that it never really was a huge problem. And it was one less thing to have to worry about. I could actually just, I mean, there's enough to worry about. I mean, trying to, like yeah. I said, trying to find the casting room. This yeah. is the second audition of the day, like yeah. sweating because it's hot, hot in Hollywood. You're yeah. trying to look, you know, a certain way. Trying for to the look role. pretty. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like all these things are going on. So that it was, I was very, very fortunate that that never, never really was a huge issue. Thankfully. So here's my question. Obviously, some, not all casting directors uh, knew when you were coming in that you were Australian and maybe some didn't. Um, when you first entered the room for a role that is not an Australian guy, but, you know, a New York guy or wherever your guy was from, yeah. and you're doing that like chit chat before the audition, what do you do? I hate now that it doesn't chat. matter, but what would you do then? I used to hate that chit chat because that was the it was the question that I was looking to was uh, was always hating because I come I would come in with whatever like let's say I was playing a Middle Eastern role, I was playing a Colombian role, I was playing a American. I'd come in with the accent, right? And you the learn the material with the accent, right? So I come in with the accent, so no one questions anything because if I'm not yeah. doing it quite right, that could be like my whole thing was, especially with other ones. I was like, if I'm not doing it quite right, that could just be how this guy speaks. Who knows? Exactly. You know exactly. What I mean? That's right. But then I was always dre- I always dreaded the chit chat because I, it was the question was where you're from yeah. would always be one of the first things. So I would try to avoid it as much as possible. I'd be like, do you mind if we just go through it first and then do it out? Like I'm ready to go, basically. Yeah. Um, and sometimes and like, that He's would work. Rude. <laughs> so, yeah, you tr- and then there's there's the bell. And depending on the casting director, you can yeah. some people you can you can usually tell straight away if they're going to be okay with it, and if not. Um, and if uh, to be honest as well, it depends on how well you do. If you go into it and crash and burn then it's not a good impression. But if you go exactly. in there, do a great job and then have the chit chat, yeah. like, oh, he was just ready. Like he was yeah. just needed to go in. So but then when mainly... you do the chit chat after, are you still in the, you know. Then I break it. Then, I'll then bre- if I'm done with, if I'm done with a scene, then I'll break it. And I, it, it generally, it, 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 it's sometimes early on, I used to never break it. But then as I got more comfortable and like, I was like, oh, okay, this is actually a non-issue. I would break it and it was always nice to get the little bit, oh, wow, I didn't, yeah. And that means you're doing something right. Even so. more impressive. Exactly. Yeah, it's just that little bit of flair at the end that hopefully, you know, makes it for some reason. For some reason, doing an accent always is way more impressive. But I mean, it's just one of those skills you got to have. I know. And in America, we really love your accent, right? I mean, it ends up being this very cool calling card at the same time. Yeah, I th- I sh- uh, you can ask my f- now fiance, but my accent got old within about two months. <laughs> for her. Is she where is she from? <laughs> she's from out. She's from like out- uh, outside of that, like Orange County. Okay. Way. Yeah. So she's it. it it's no longer. I know nothing that it, we it, first it, fall in love with. I thought, <laughs> oh my god, my husband's obsessed with football. That's so sexy. And now every time I'm like, if I hear you yell at that TV one more time, What's I'm actually going to stab you in the eyeballs. Um, the Green Bay Packers. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Yeah. He's from Wisconsin. It's just, fair you know, enough. it's in their DNA. It's, it's yep. anything. I would love to go to Green Bay game. Yeah. It, it's thrilling, but it also, you know, you know, it all, but I love him so much. And that's yes. really the point of what that's I was bringing important. up, but <laughs> yeah. I love him so much. That's all um, important. Once upon a time, uh, put you in every TV set. Um, well, certainly, you know, in America and, yeah. and, and beyond um that was a really big deal 
And was that an audition process that was um, rigorous or did that come pretty easily? That was, yeah, that was just another, I think that was my fourth audition of the week, second of the day. And it was just like, a regular Wednesday. It was just another. Yeah. I, I was, yeah, I was just, I, I literally went to, uh, after that. I mean, I, I used to, so I went, I went to Chris's house, Chris Pang's. He was, he had moved out by then. I went to his, ran the scene. He went, yeah, this is great. This is right. Well in your warehouse. I was like, all right. And I was auditioning for Sinbad at the time. They didn't tell us it was Aladdin, which is good. Um, and I was like, oh, this would be great. And then when did it and just, it was just another one that it did. And then I was, I remember like, a week later, walking down the street uh, to like, going to uh, walking down to go to the gym, and got a phone call being like, "Yep, yeah, yeah, they want you on a plane in a week to go to Vancouver to start filming." And I was like, "Holy!" Like, and then by the way, it's Aladdin. And I was like, "Wait, what? <laughs> Wait a minute!" <laughs> Wait, hang on. So I was really. It wasn't. It, it was fortunate that it wasn't as intense and rigorous process. And I am fortunate I didn't find out that it was Aladdin because I think that would have put a, a little bit of pressure on it. More to so be that than, kind of romantic lead. Yeah, I mean, I was just sin. I think their version of Aladdin was 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 great. I think we had more of a Sinbad quality to it, right. and I think that's what drew me to to it as well. And that's what sort of made instead of being just like you know, uh, it, Aladdin can you know in the uh, comics, sorry, in the uh, animated uh, film does have that kind of like just he's just like that roguishness to him. Yeah. So it was fun that they were playing on that and. Once upon a time, it's just it was that's just a powerhouse of a show. So it was a kind of a whirlwind from the get go. Did you have to have like a day job at all while you were in LA, or had you yeah. saved up? And, you did. So what kind yeah. of things like did you do before Once Upon a Time? So that was yeah. So I, literally after that audition, I got in my car and I was driving Uber for like three years. So okay. I, I came out with savings and um and I was doing some online work for in Australia. Um, that was funding this and then it got then uber and lyft became a thing and it was back when drivers were able to make an earn a, a decent living off the service the platform um so i was very fortunate and it was flexible and it, it was all the things that it, it, I, it was in the heyday of when it was all the things that it was meant to be right so now it's a bit of a, a a different story but um yeah that was what kept me out and i think it was after that after that once upon a time gig was the kind of the last Last time. Oh my I god! You went to that audition and then you you put your your phone back on Uber mode and you're starting I, and you're driving. I remember. That's I remember. Wild. I was in the Disney Disney casting parking lot and eating. I ate my. I was on the go, so I I had my prepared lunch. Ate my prepared lunch. Got on the road. Did my three or four hours and then came home and then, yeah. So it was. It's just part of what you do. I mean, like everyone, you know, you whether be waiting people waiting tables or doing all these odd jobs. It's just you 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 do you do your your day job, but then you go you do night job that supplements your day job. You Did you have the... any scary moments as a driver? I was, I didn't, I, I peaked my hours. I was like the first, first thing in the morning for three hours. And then like, I was, it was, and then last three hours of peak hour to take people home. I was to and from work. I didn't work. Weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing I, so scary. I had, I had nothing scary. I, no I had great drunky, chats with crazy. people. Yeah. No, I, I, Friday nights, you got to like 8 p.m. and I picked it, you take some people home. You're like, come on, it's like 8 p.m., man. Like, what? I'm glad you're going home. Yeah. This is like really you're early. Wasted. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I, I, it's again, it's a Friday, so I can't say anything. That's but hilarious. Well, you can. You can. I can, but I mean, but like, I'm, I, I'm sure. So, yeah. how many seasons was Once Upon a Time? It was just the one for me. I actually, um, um, yeah, I, I did, it was one season, uh, I think it was oh, six, season six. Okay. So I just did the one season of okay. that. And they were fortunate. Okay. They brought me back for a bunch. It was, it was 
supposed to be three or four and it just kept snowballing and I had such a fun experience with everyone there from the cast to the crew everyone yeah. that was a, a lovely lovely time in my life well I want to um because people will just write me hate mail if we don't talk about it so flight attendant is one of those you know magical shows that just got binged um mm. like people could not get enough of the first season it came out when we were all on lockdown mm-hmm. um and everyone spent time with those characters uh and i think about you know the fact that you know zasha mamet is david mamet's daughter david mamet started an entire acting style i think it's called like something aesthetic i'm forgetting the name of it because he started this atlantic theater school here Mm -hmm. in new york and i'm wondering in in having a co-star that it was so deeply immersed in a family of actors and an acting style were there things that are there things that she does or exercises or any ways in which she works that have kind of influenced you or she may not adhere to that at all but i'm just curious if that's been a part of the process aside from we, the fun of working with such great people well that the, yeah the fun is actually so i was yeah going into it it's you you got these powerhouses in both zasha and kaylee and it is it, it uh, get you thrown into the deep end of it and by the uh, way my, no one on your show pronounces their name as it is written <laughs> just want to say you have to phonetically write out all of your names. Yeah, you're not wrong. Yeah, now that you mention it, you're completely right. It's completely, anyway, there's no That's, Z sound in your name. It's just hilarious. No, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, my Tur- in Turkish is Deniz, but I don't expect anyone to speak Turkish, so I go by Dennis. My fiancé, she calls me Dennis. Okay, so, say your name. Say your name in Turkish. In Turkish, it'd be Deniz Sinan Akdeniz. Okay. That is yeah, beautiful. But, yeah, it's uh, it's it's a Dennis is a lovely name, but it's just um it's just hard to get. It's like a weird sound. Um, and by the yeah, way, I, the way if I named my son Mike Michelson, right? Is there is there um, a reason that your first name and last name have the same word in it? Is that yeah? A custom, my parents. Like, what is that? So my parents are hippies. So that's that's mainly the reason. So what happened is Akden is is a, is a surname because no one in the I think early 1900s so like i think they had to like they had to like early 1920 or something like that i can't remember but everyone had to have a given it was given a surname they had to well, it wasn't a common thing you and then right. so akden is his white sea which is the mediterranean okay. um, so that was our surname and then my parents were part of a student uh, movement like a uh, revolutionary movement group that was big on reforms at the time and uh during their university years um and the leader of said movement was named Dennis. So my namesake is Deniz because of him. And um, my brother is named Özgür, which means freedom in Turkish. So they're big hippies. I mean, that leader, my namesake, Deniz, was eventually hung by the Turkish government. Um, so, yeah, so it, the, the Deniz Akdeniz was just a happens. Like they, it was in his honor, Deniz. And then my last name just happened to be Akdeniz. And it, okay. Yeah. Kind of okay. So it was it was purposeful. It was, there was a purpose to it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah anyway, yeah, be... I I made us digress just to the name thing Sorry. because you have such a beautiful name and, and all Thank of you. those names. So, yes, back to the cast. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it was uh, Zasha um, and I saw, like, we, we the, 
a lot our first day on the first season was had a lot of our core um relationship stuff like relationship okay. scenes well first it was me getting out of the shower so that was it was a Thank nice in, introduction to yeah. everyone like oh, really hi, make you feel me. comfortable well was, you can't get more vulnerable than this so was, i think it was a great way to say hi like it does what else do you go from there so it was great um yeah. it was it was a great way to introduce myself to everyone and uh this is me and then uh we had those beautiful scenes and i think her she's such she like she it was she has such a a great rhythm and timing and it she's very always very open and very present and it was very quick to I was very quick to jump onto the idea that you just have to be there present with her and it's gonna work and I think mm-hmm. we found this banter um of that trying to make each other laugh and I think that was so crucial to the actual relationship because on yeah. textbook they're not quite the conventional couple but they have this banter they have this understanding they have this just uh trying to get each, under each other's skin and it it that's what is the uh, at the core of their their, their their way of expressing their love for each other and that was Are you guys allowed with. to improv yeah so that was a big part of it as well i know um it, we, they 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 do give us a lot of freedom to to improv and and we that helps we, they, they sometimes we sometimes go too far and they bring it in or you know or, or we go into direct a certain direction and they're like that's great so it, the freedom and permission on set is 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 always there and it, it makes it life so much easier to find that chemistry so in terms of covid and filming you finished season one it where did you film the show by the way first season new york second okay. season los angeles Okay. And where in New York did you live during the filming? They put me up in Greenpoint. Um, oh. Which was was that near a soundstage? Was yeah, Greenpoint. I think there's, yeah, there's Greenpoint, uh, the stages are nearby. So um, it was lovely. It was, I think Greenpoint, I mean, before, I was, we were there and we got, we, were, like, we got shut down in like early March of 2020. But before that, I had a great time. It was, it was a lot of fun being at that side of Brooklyn. So you, did you finish season one before lockdown or did you have Ooh. to go back? So, so we how went. did that work? So we were, we, we, uh, it was very, it was one of those weird situations where we didn't know how we we're going to go back. And, um, they, the team did everyone on production side did such a great job of making sure that we were safe. We were one of the first shows to go back in New York. Um, I believe. And it was, it was, a it was, we had, I think two episodes to go. And so we came back oh. and we was all the protocols that we see and come, come to accustomed to now. We were, they were doing them from the get go. Um, and it was quite stringent and strict and rightfully so. And we were able to still work, which was great, and finish the show. We were supposed to launch with HBO Max in, in May. And I, I think because of, because of the shutdown, we didn't get to finish. So it came out later on. And like you said, everyone was in lockdown while watching it. So I think it was uh, – and it was a fun – it's a, such a fun murder mystery that it, it was the show that everyone sort of needed at the time, I think. And when did you, well, I guess two things, because you'd already filmed so much, even though you came back in masks, like you already, you weren't meeting each other that way. You already No, thankfully all that. Yeah. yeah. We, everyone knew each other. Like we were well, like we were up to episode six. So I think it wasn't one of those things where we came back after episode two or something. Like we were very fortunate in that respect that, yeah, a lot of that, a lot of the, the, it was nice to come back to see everyone and get back to it. Like we, everyone was missing each other. So it was a, it was good. It was a good way to have to come back. When you signed on, did you know where your character was going or, or did you know you were going to be a part of this thing for as long as the thing existed? Uh, no, I, I, so I was on a, I was on a, um, I was just come back at first as a reoccurring with maybe an option to go back to a, um, to, to a, a series regular. 
And so I feel like the whole first season was just one one big audition. Yeah. <laughs> That's was how that stressful? At times, at times. I think uh, on set there was nothing but fun, nothing but play and and, and really working on the show. But there, there were times, I mean, outside of that, it, it, it did, there, were, there was some of that pressure of being like, okay, this is, if I can do well here and this show does well, you never know because even the show was going to go again. So there was exactly. a lot of help to get through. And so hearing the show got picked up, I was like, oh, that's one check checkbox and let's see where everything else goes and they me too uh, can i am yeah, i coming well, they, too that was, yeah. yeah that was they obviously waited till the last day at 5 p.m to let us know which was great <laughs> so um, who are these monsters ah business affairs that have yeah. bigger powers and bigger things to worry about than me yeah. which is fair enough um but did, that, but, did we forget to tell you no, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think they knew they knew a long time before i did which is uh which is okay but it was it was good that, you know, it was, we were so fortunate that people loved the first one so much to come back for a second. And it's been fun to be able to get into the second season myself. And we are right in the middle of the hijinks throughout, which is lovely. Do you know yet if there's a, a third season? Have they told you? We, I think we're to, this Thursday is the finale. And, you know, as far as I hear, people have been responding to this season. And if people keep enjoying it, I'm sure uh, the powers that be will want people to keep enjoying more. Um, It's, it's amazing. You're amazing in it. And I feel like you are such a full person. Like you've really just brought so much humanity to this guy. And um, I think people really connect to the ups and downs of your relationship and, mm -hmm. and what it is to just not be on sure footing at times with the, I mean, you have a fiance right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's uh, Max and Annie's Annie's journey is a little bit more um, tumultuous or more up and down than our, mine, thankfully. Thank God. Um, anyway, it's awesome. I don't. We're not going to do spoiler alerts, uh, even though this will this this episode will come out after the last episode, um, okay. so we can circle back later and and talk about how it all ended. Um, before I let you go, is there a little known fact about you that you can share? A little known fact about me, yeah, I um, I'm an avid baker, and pre-pandemic avid baker. I've uh, always loved baking cookies and and cakes, and I, I have a sweet tooth, quite a, a bad sweet tooth, and so I uh, constantly um, I was constantly getting stuff and being sometimes disappointed. I was like, well, let me try this, and then uh, now I've I've been always very bad at the beginning, and then only. The, through the pandemic was able to hone my skills because we were at home and locked down and yeah. since and now actually on the second season I was able to bake uh and uh like over 200 cookies for the crew oh and my god that's so nice yeah well I was just like I, I have all these recipes and I want to try them but I can't eat 30 or 40 cookies at once I mean I could so I, I mean I could I definitely could <laughs> but, but I don't, I don't want to be rude to. about it yeah I don't want to yeah I don't want yeah. I don't want to hate myself the next day as I'm like huddled over in bed in stomach pains um so it's a good way to I got to you know take a little of each I did like seven recipes and took a little bit for myself and then gave the rest of the crew and it was a uh, it was yeah it was it, that's something that uh, I really do enjoy and hopefully I've just gone into like some more intricate desserts like baklava and stuff like that so it's something when I have the time and the, the, the time to be able to share it with people and you know yeah. Uh, I, I really do enjoy. All right. Well, I'll I'll um I'll send you my address, and I can't wait to receive the care package. Um, All right. Sounds good. Yeah. Anzac just... biscuits travel well. Uh, it, totally. Yeah. I'll send you bubble wrap, and then you can send it back to me. <laughs> um, do you know when you're getting married? 
Uh, I literally, you're, I think you're the, I got engaged about a week ago. I was on top, we were sunset on the top of El Capitan after a two day, two night hike. Um, oh, I know that spot. That's incredible. Yeah. It was, incredible. Uh, it was, it was the lovely experience and all kind of went according to plan and my knee's still feeling a bit fresh. So I don't know when the rest of it stalls yet to be figured out. Well, enjoy every second. This is like a really beautiful moment in your life. And I wish you you both all the best. And thank you. Thank you for being on the podcast today. Uh, Thank you so much. It was so much fun. One more thing. I keep getting emails asking how to donate to the podcast First of all, thank you in advance. You are the kindest humans. Just go to littleknownfactspodcast.com slash donations. That is where you donate. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. This episode of Little Known Facts was edited by Nicholas Klar. We record in New York City. The Little Known Facts theme song was written and recorded and sung by Georgia Famusa with backup vocals by Caleb Famusa. Thank you. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only, not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.